Hello, TSF family. We wanted to start off by saying thank you. Thank you for listening to this podcast and for your hard work to love yourself more and for your feedback. Can you believe it's been three years that we've been doing this spiritual fix and it has been such a beautiful labor of love for Anna and me. We have loved doing this work. We've loved hearing from you and we love exploring ourselves and each other alongside our listeners. We wanted to put out the call for three ways that you can help support us to support you. One, we would love you to leave us a review on iTunes or follow us on Spotify. Two, drop us an email and let us know how much the podcast means to you. And three, you can donate monthly or even just once to our PayPal patronage. Every little bit helps and we are so grateful to those of you who have donated already. Thank you. You help make this podcast possible. Thanks, y'all. You can go to our website, www.thisspiritualfix.com for information on how to pledge as well as to email us. This spiritual fix. Two mystical mamas hacking the self-help game. With Anna Stromquist and Christina Wiltsey. Hi, Anna. Hey, Christina Wiltsey-land. <laughs> How's it going? That's what my son calls our podcast. <laughs> it's Christina Wiltsey-land. Yeah. Whereas my kids are all just like, what are you doing? Are you recording again? <laughs> Very I, funny. The, the other day I was listening to an episode to edit it and my kids were like, you can do that in your own time. <laughs> Whereas your kids are amazing. They listen to the podcast. Right? They listen. My daughter made her, they both made their own podcast and she learned how to edit it from watching me edit and she edited her own podcast. It's a conspiracy theories on Disney movies. <laughs> We've not published it or anything. I'm, I'm still like, should we, should we not make this public? But it's all about Scar having secret relationships with Nala and like all this. That's like crazy fan fiction from an eight-year-old, right? Oh, she's eight going on 69 or something. She's, she's a very old soul. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I have been having some really interesting learnings with my kids. I've been doing a lot more work with my dousing teacher this week. And one of the things you were talking about is how so many women, they they have to be corrected, like a energy release, whatever you want to call it, like a correction for hormones, like that their hormones just are con continually going out of whack. And so like he does releases and I do releases every single day for all the people on my list to get them back into their hormonal shifts. And my daughter and I are two of those examples. Like I have to multiple times a day, I have to put her back into like, kind of a, like a hormonal balance. And I just think that that's really interesting. So maybe I'll give you an update, everyone an update once we get more into that. But it definitely feels like my daughter and I have this like kindred connection to something that like kind of throws us out sometimes, you know, and makes it so that it's hard for us to like manage our hormones. Uh, hormones is a bad way of saying it. What's the way, what's the way of, what, what am I trying to say? Moods. Um, yeah, moods, moods. Emotions as they relate to like your neurotransmitters. Yeah, yeah, cool. Okay, 
So yeah, let's do agape. So in our previous episode, we were talking about the four different types of spiritual practice, light work, shadow work, dark work, and then we ran out of time for agape. So we've moved agape into its own episode, but fittingly enough, it ties in really well with a topic Christina wants to share, which is called going home. So we decided to just fuse agape with going home in the same way that last season, we fused the episode of radical forgiveness with Ho'oponopono because they're different interpretations of the same thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So what I wanted to talk about today then was agape. So going back to the previous episode, if you haven't heard it already, just pause and go back and listen and come back. Now, welcome back. Basically, we talked last episode about how there are four different types of practices. We could say that the shadow work and light work is practice that you do on your individual self. And it does have a trickle up effect on the collective, we could say. And then you have dark work and agape, which is more collective unconscious work, which trickles down back to you, which is to say, anytime you're doing any of these work, you're helping others around you, but one is more self-focused and one is more community or, or collective focused collective, meaning the collective unconscious. If you want, we put in the show notes, the study of the hundredth monkey to explain a little bit more about what the collective unconscious is, but essentially the idea being that we are all connected on some other vibrational level are all subconscious is all united or a deeper consciousness is all united. And some may even argue there is only one of us. We are one creator experiencing. We are the dream of one creator experiencing ourselves through the prism of many lenses. It is an individualized experience, but it is a collected wholeness. So we're having individual experiences as self, but we're really part of one mass whole, the drop in the ocean, if you will. So that's a broad interpretation of what we're talking about here. So I'm going to go into agape now, which is a form of love. So the ancient Greeks had lots of different words for love in in English. We only have really like love, or maybe we have crush or we have lust and we have like, you know, we have some different types, but, but we have a lot more when we go back to ancient Greece and even in Spanish, you have like querer and to amar. So like you have different forms of loving. Well, anyways, in the ancient Greeks descriptions of love, there is a love called agape and agape is the type of love, which is a universal good willed nature that you have for all beings. And it is a feeling that we have it's a peaceful feeling. It's a loving feeling. It's a love for our fellow man. Like, I think we can all kind of understand the definition. I don't need to go too much further. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. I would say so. It's like, uh, Philadelphia is the, is the city of brotherly love. <laughs> okay. It's the Philadelphia of the spiritual world. <laughs> I wouldn't necessarily say that's true in practice, but it is the city of brotherly love. So they call it brotherly love because it's like, yeah, it's, it's a filial right? Yeah. No, filial is brotherly love. Agape is different. Okay. I'm sorry. Filial, no, filial love is the love that you feel for family members, which is different because family members would be as a course in miracles would call special love. Yes. When you have special attachments to others, this is a love for all. Okay. So like we could say, you know, there's a subtle truth. We can all recognize that we have apparent truth and subtle truth. Like on the apparent level, I might really think so-and-so is an asshole, but on the most subtle level, I deep down inside love him or love her because she is one of my, my 
colleagues in this game of life. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> They're in my right? forgiveness game, right? Yeah. Yeah. Part of my game here. So I talked to Archangel Michael a little bit ago to find out what are two things he really wanted me to mention in today's episode. So the first thing he wanted to say was many critics out there may make you believe or may say that the pursuit of inner happiness is selfish. Like, who are you to sit around and like spend all your time doing self-help work and growth and all this stuff when like people are starving or there are political rallies to go to and things to do. Archangel Michael told me, never underestimate the power of your own pursuit of happiness. Because when you raise your vibrational level of happiness, you actually help all the miserable people on the planet go up a little higher. So he said, dedicate yourself to your own happiness, pursue your own happiness. And by that, I don't mean like, you know, jerking off in candy. I'm talking about like true, deep, lasting happiness. When you pursue that kind of happiness, you are actually helping mankind in ways beyond your wildest dreams. So you're actually raising the vibrational level up of the collective and you're helping people in ways you don't know. You're helping the miserable. You know, we can feed the hungry. Yeah, we can, we can do service. We can do donation. We can do all those things. But when you are searching for your own inner peace and your own happiness, you're helping people in ways you don't even know. And your vibration is contagious. I mean, I can think of so many times when the cashier in a grocery store smiled at me in a way that just shifted my whole day, you know? So happiness is contagious guys. It's, it's not selfish to pursue that. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, not, not only is it not selfish, but it really is the quantum entanglement in which, you know, of the entire world. And I'm just throwing out nuclear physicist sort of language, but the idea being that like, you know, everything, if everything is connected, like we say it was, if, if everyone, if you are escaping the matrix or you're out of it, then you understand more than anything that that the work that you do is so important. And my one of my boyfriends used to say this to me whenever he used to go do his own practices. And I had the same like thing, like, why are you, why are you doing this? Or why aren't we going out and doing something else, doing something quote unquote bigger? And he was like, I just want to be the biggest. He's like, the world is like a desert. And I just want to be a I just want to make my shade the the tree that I create and the shade that I create under it, I want it to be as big as possible. And maybe someone can come sit down and have a break from the burning hot desert of reality. And that was, that's, that's the pursuit of your own happiness, right? Is to create the shade Mm -hmm. that can allow other people to, to be nursed into, you know, um, to find respite. Well, you know, there's a great quote and it's hurt people, hurt people, you know, Happy people don't hurt other people. Hurt people hurt people. Yeah. So hurt meaning adjective and then hurt meaning verb. Hurt people hurt people. So yeah, I mean, you get out of happiness, you stop that cycle. And many people will say the, pers- the, the pursuit of peace in the world begins in your home and it begins in your own heart. So that was the first thing that I wanted to say. And then the next thing I wanted to say was that One of the other great things you can do, which is agape, which is service to your humanity and fellow folks through love is Ho'oponopono or radical forgiveness, which we discuss in great detail, episode 14 of season one. And I'm not going to go too much into it here, but basically by forgiving everyone and making forgiveness a daily practice by forgiving the things that bother you, by forgiving the things that don't bother you, by just forgiving the illusion of a world that causes suffering, you are helping people so much. You are collapsing stories. You are collapsing dimensions. 
and you are affecting others, whether you know it or not. So I would say, go back and listen to that episode too. We'll put that in the show notes links because we'll put that link in the show notes as well. And then the next thing I want to say was also something that Archangel Michael was like, make sure you tell everybody this. And that is that when a baby is born, it has a soft spot on the top of its head, which is called the crown chakra or the crown area. And it is fontanelle. The fontanelle. I was always going to name my bebop group or the (laughs) the fontanelles. Go ahead. The fontanelles. (laughs) Um, But anyways, this is a very sacred part of a baby's body. And believe it or not, even though when that skull fuses and hardens, it continues to be a sacred spot for you. Now, there are people on the planet who are continuously giving something called metta, which is called which is loving kindness. It is a loving kindness meditation. It is a loving vibration. It is extremely popular in the Buddhist communities. And there are hundreds of thousands of millions of Buddhists all over the world. And at any given moment, at any place on earth, someone out there is giving metta. And if you are ever in a situation where you need to receive metta, you just imagine love and loving kindness coming in through that crown in the top of your head. That's why babies are so loving and happy all the time because that place is always open. They're always getting it. But for those of us who have it hardened or we've lost connection with that, you can always just bring your awareness to your skull, to that top soft area of the baby's head and bring it in. Similarly, when you wanna give it out to the world, just give loving kindness out to people. That's where you're sending it. You're actually sending it to other people's crown chakras. I'm not sure if you, if you knew that, but that is, I did not know that. That's amazing. Yes. That's where it's going. That's where it's going. So yeah, I was taught that in the Vipassana course. I was, I was having a big struggle in a course one day. And one of the teachers said, when you're struggling and you can't focus, focus on the top of your head at that fontanelle and, and meta is coming into you at any given point in time because of time changes across the world, someone is always giving meta. Mm, I like that. That makes I'm, me feel so comforted. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah. So the next thing I want to talk about is random acts of kindness. So one other way that you can generate more agape and send more love out into the world is through random acts of kindness. You know, you could leave a couple quarters in the candy machine for someone to find. You could pay for someone's coffee and when you're in line at the coffee shop. You know, you can do random things. It's best if you do them anonymously because then there's less ego attached to it. Right. Mm -hmm. But if you need to put your name on in the beginning, do it, who cares, you know, but, but just keep in mind, ego, ego can get mixed up in this one, but random acts of kindness is another beautiful way that you can kind of spread the love and uplift someone's day. And then the last thing that Archangel Michael wanted me to share with you all, and I kind of mentioned in the previous episode that it's kind of funny because he knows that I have a beef with organized religion that I will probably one day get over, but I'm not there yet. (laughs) It's funny when he sends me on these Bible hunts, he like tells me to go look up a Bible phrase and I'm like, okay. And it just so happened, he led me to Corinthians 1.13. So I am going to read it because it's actually really beautiful. Okay, here I go. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clinging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but I do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardships that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient, 
Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. That was so amazing. And the thing that strikes me more than anything is like going back to the Course in Miracles, there's that line, what is part, what is, what is the line? It's like in the middle. It says, for we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. Yes. So essentially the matrix disappears when love, when like the, well, I mean, you could say the matrix disappears, but that's, that to me is like duality and everything that we experience in the duality is always part. It's never the whole story. It's never like the wholeness of, of the, like you try and intellectualize something and you're trying to do whatever. And it's always part, but as soon as you get love, like the unconditional love of that agape experience with God and with universe or with whatever is your source, the duality drops away. Like it can't exist in part. Only wholeness exists in all of its wholeness. Like it there, you cannot divide it. Mm -hmm. It's beautiful. I'm shocked that he led me to this passage. It's, it's absolutely beautiful. And you know, we really hear that part. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast, but you never really hear the full stanza or whatever you call these Bible things. Yeah. It's absolutely beautiful. Yeah. Especially because I feel like the first things that he's talking about is having cities, right? So, so being able to sound a gong, like the use of sound, the use of prophecy, the use of those are right. Those are similar to the he's Christian talking, cities. Yeah. Right. He's talking about if you have attained spiritual gifts, um, gifts, if you have, yeah. yeah, if you have achieved supernatural gifts or you're all quote unquote powerful, but you're lacking love and we can all think of meditation or cult leaders who had great powers of manipulation of speaking tongues of prophecy of generosity but without love they gain nothing yeah yeah it really and it does it also speaks to what we're going to be talking about next season which is you know we talk about the kind of yin and yang or the the divine feminine and divine masculine we're going to be talking about next season but you know one of the things we talk about is how the divine masculine's ultimate aspiration is freedom and how the divine feminine's ultimate aspiration is love and if you have freedom without love you ain't got shit still you still gotta have the whole thing <laughs> right yeah. yeah yeah that's beautiful thank you right that concludes the light work, shadow work, dark work episode. And we'll just weave ourselves right into yours, which is called coming home. Can you give us a little background on this one, Chris? Yes, absolutely. So I'll tell you guys a little story. For me, 
I was at a wild woman weekend with Anna and Robbie a couple our years ago. Our shabby, our shabby, our shabby. We should just ramen. call her shabby. She's <laughs> Robbie. She's a shaman. She's our shabby. Just kidding. It's like sacrilegious. Maybe <laughs> we were with our shaman, Robbie. And I remember we were doing some process, which is what we were doing, which was just what we do a lot there. It's just they kind of spontaneously come up and I remember, I think it was, I can't remember if it was you or Robbie who asked me, but one of you guys asked me about what it was like to be human, like why I was so resistant to being human. If you guys have listened to the past episodes, you know that for me, like craving of the formless is like one of my top sins. It's not even a sin. <laughs> it's just one of my top sins. It's just a hindrance. Things. It's a hindrance. It's my it's hindrance. A Thank hindrance you. to enlightenment, according to uh, Buddha. I'm too Southern. My sin. It's my sin, but it's not. It's a hindrance. And and I remember they were saying to me, they wanted, they were like, I, I said, I said, they were like, okay, tell us all the reasons why you're upset about being a human. We and made so you I, sing, sing about it, actually. Oh, I eventually did sing about it. But at first I yelled at you guys. And I remember I yelled at the top of my lungs at both of them. And I was like, you, oh God. <laughs> I'm going to turn down my mic a little bit for this one. You fucking like, how could you do this? You're such terrible humans. You can't take care of the earth. You can't take it. And I literally just like the intensity of this experience was so intense. Like I was just so fucking angry at humans and at being a human and having to be in a human form and everything that the humans had been doing to the earth and everything that we experienced in the three dimensional. I just went off for like 10 minutes. I literally was screaming at Anna and Robbie as representatives of the human race and all oh, the fucking ridiculous I didn't realize it. that it was actually directed towards me. I, I was just- I'm Well, sorry. no, but I mean, like it wasn't you. Like I wasn't actually doing it towards you. But uh, okay, you, I was. Fine. I was yelling at you because it made it easier than having something in my head I was yelling to, right? I okay, was like, yeah, I yeah. was separating myself by yelling at you guys. Guess what? I didn't take it personally. Thanks, Don Ruiz. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, and, it, and you weren't meant to take it personally because yeah, it would I be silly, it. mostly well, because of the fact that- I'm I interrupting am, your story. I'm sorry, I'm being self-centered. Just keep going, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good, it's all good. I'm not taking it personally. The So, you know, when I got through with that, I just started breaking down and I just said, I want to go home. And I just started crying. You were bawling. I was bawling. I wanted to go home so badly. And I had no fucking idea where home was. I mean, I did. I had the feeling of home. Like I had that feeling of, of this place that, that doesn't feel like earth. Like it doesn't feel like so different and so hungry and sick and vulnerable and all these things that I just didn't fucking like about being human and like being culpable and having duality and having all of this a body a body just all of this and all I wanted to do was to go home right and that was just such an overwhelming feeling for me and so after that I kind of looked into being like, okay, what does that actually mean? Like, what is, what is going home mean? Like, I want to go home. It's somewhere that's not in my body. It's somewhere that I'm, you know, doing whatever. And I'm like, okay, so where is this? And so that was a couple of years ago. And I've done a lot of work since then to try and kind of figure it out. And I've been able to kind of distill it down into, to what I can 
convey to y'all is home to me. And home really comes in two different levels. The first home, which is the ultimate home, is what I call the zero state, is what we call the zero state, right? It's like, I call it's called the zero state because it's the zero dimension. It's like, it's not even the fifth dimension or the sixth dimension. It's literally all the dimensions collapsing back down on themselves so that there's no space between, there's no time between spaces. There's nothing, there's nothing. It's all just that one, it's not even oneness because oneness implies dimensionality. It doesn't have any dimensionality. It's the zero state. It is the ultimate place where we all started from. It's the pre big bang, whatever you want to call. And, you know, for me, so many of the practices that I do, I'm aspiring to get to this zero state. And I'm going to talk about that more at the end, but I'm first going to talk about the other home, which is what I can, which is where I came to first before I had any understanding of like the zero state and experience. I kind of understood intellectually about what this place is of like unconditional love and unending everything. But the second place is what I like to call the unseen worlds. It's where we go between when we die. It's where we go at night. It's where we go when we go on meditation journeys in our minds. And it's where we go when we astral travel. That's, you know, depending on where you're going. But those are kind of the four main ways that we can get Eat a minute. When you astral travel, you just, well, just kidding. Well, that's another, I'm not going to argue with you about astral travel. Well, well, the astral travel, you go to the astral plane. And so you can go, and so that, that's a kind of a complicated one. So I'm going to, I'll give you a brief explanation about that in a second. But okay. the, the idea is that the, that these, un, that you have the unseen worlds is what I, I call them. A lot, they have a lot of different names. So Steiner called them the higher worlds. He also called it the etheric worlds. Who's Steiner? Ste- Rudolf Steiner. He's the one who created the, the Waldorf schools. He's the one who created the okay. homeopathics as we know it, I believe. Oh no, not homeopathics, biodynamics, excuse me. Okay. And, and he's, I've always been a big fan of his mostly just because I seem to keep running him. into him all over the place, but I absolutely love his writing. I like really resonate with it and understand it. And and so basically think of it as all the worlds that exist and they're not re- real. You can't necessarily travel to them with your body. You can't, you can't get a plane to them. You can't even get a spaceship to them, right? They're just, they're places that you go and you travel in your dreams. You travel in meditative states. You travel when you leave your body in an astral plane way and you do- It's um, the airplane on manifest. <laughs> That's right. It's the airplane on the movie, on the show manifest. Exactly. It's basically where you're going and, and, and this, where you go when you close your eyes and you go into your imaginary field. That's what we're talking about here. And so there are two different, there are two different kind of categories, bigger categories that goes underneath this big umbrella of the unseen worlds or the higher worlds. One of them is what I call the overlays, and the other one is what I call the etheric. So I'm using the kind of traditional language for that one. I'm not going to go deep into the overlays today because that's not really what we're talking about. We're talking about coming home. But a brief explanation of the overlays is basically 
it's the overlays are the dimensions that are really close to ours. The ones they're basically portals that you can get to on this earth. Like if you've ever done Photoshop, it's like imagine physical reality as the background layer and the overlays are all the things that come on top of it. Like all the different layers that you put on top of the background layer, right? It's like, so would they be parallel lives? They can be parallel lives. They can be ultra. Like, so a lot of people who talk about other beings talk about that they're not extraterrestrial, they're actually ultra terrestrial, which means that they actually just exist in different dimensions of being on this earth. So the Fae, we've talked about the Fae and the co-creation, they just live in a different dimension. So they live in an overlay on our world and you can get to them regionally, you can get to different aspects of them. So if I go to Scotland, for instance, I can access a different part of their world because they still do have some space in their dimension, if that makes sense. So like- Are ghosts, are ghosts on an overlay? Exactly. Okay. So ghosts are on an overlay. And, and that's why they follow the architecture of the previous home that they lived in. Exactly. Okay. Cause they're still there. Cause they're still there and they're still sitting in an overlay that exists there. Right. And so sometimes you get, um, experiences where you will experience something happening over and over again, like some sort of haunting or some sort of th- something like that. And it's often because there's, um, you know, there's a lot of energy and an experience that's happened and it's replaying and it's playing right. enough so that it's resonate. It's like, it's got a wider bandwidth so that it's, it's kind of bumping up against our physical, our ability to sense it. Right. Um, to explain what I meant was that if you're seeing a ghost or you're following, you know, you see a ghost, they are going to, and they look like they're walking through a door. They're actually not. It's that in the dimension where they are, when the house was constructed before there was a door there. Yeah. So it, it might look like they're walking through walls, but it's actually because the architecture of the previous home or before the renovation took place, that used to be a hallway, for That's example. It. That's it. That's it. Exactly. And so, you know, I, I mentioned about a, a clock, for instance, that had a portal in it, right? That clock has an overlay of a portal on it. Like it basically has like another layer of energy associated with it. And anywhere that clock goes, the portal goes with it, right? So it's like, it's one of those things where if you've ever experienced something like a haunting before, you'll notice that the the hauntings are sometimes associated with people and sometimes they're associated with places, right? And that's because they're attached in a certain, they're attached to a person, they're, they're attached to this specific thing and they're following following it through their overlay dimension. They're basically following it through their layer of reality. I feel like level. women's cervixes are just full of overlays. Yeah, they are. They are, right? Because they have to be portals to other places and they travel with you anywhere you go, right? So, you know, you experience PMS and we get out there a little bit and 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 all of a sudden you're pulling in overlay. Your your overlay is pulling in all sorts of place all sorts of things from the etheric plane, which is what we're going to talk about next. But the the overlays, basically, I almost think of them as a lot of gateways, right? So I've done a lot of work with clearing spirits from places and I set up a portal and I set up a, sp- a portal outside my hotel or I set up a portal somewhere else, right? And it's like, and then I close that portal wherever it is, but it's very much attached to the space uh, and it's very much attached to the time as well like where you are in time at this point. So the etheric plane is like, is what I like to call basically all the places that you went as a kid, right? Like in your imagination, like maybe you went to another world when you closed your eyes, or maybe you've been and kind of visited 
a different place in your imagination or when you were going to sleep you went to a certain place or something like that and you seem to always be going back to the same place think of the etheric plane as the collective the collective unseen right so it the collective unseen is basically the place where you can have your own imaginary feel that doesn't actually coincide with other people in fact like you know you probably have like your own little your own little yard in the mental plane and you have your own little yard in the emotional plane and you have your own little yard you know what i mean like you have your own little fenced in area that's kind of exclusively yours and you can go your whole life and operate just in those things and never actually bump into anything else but mo a lot of people when we dream we go much much further afield from like our own little fenced in backyard in our minds right and I want to highlight a couple of these places and places that have, for me, really felt like a level of home. The first thing I'm going to talk about is this is this is a term that gets used a lot. Collective unconscious is a word that gets used a lot. Robbie, our shaman, talks about the collective unconscious. That's the word she used. So this is a word I'm going to use today for the place where everyone goes after they die. Okay. The idea being that effectively when you pass away, you know, your body goes through a journey of a certain thing. And, and I, and I've been hounding Anna to have an episode on death and we can talk more about this in depth later because we could go on for so long about oh, like, what happens the, after you die. The death doula episode. Yes, exactly. But effectively you go on a journey and then you end up in what Robbie likes to call like a sorting chamber, right? Like it's basically like, it's like, it's like sitting at Hogwarts and having your sorting hat put on, but effectively the spirit crosses over and is able to see all the different levels of vibration in which they could end up. So this is very similar to what you hear in the Bible. This is very similar to what you hear in a lot of, of experiences of the afterlife and people who have near death experiences NDEs may come back and be able to describe this is that effectively your whole life flashes before your eyes. And, you know, you're meant to take stock in exactly what's happened in that period of taking stock. You're also supposed to kind of be assessing your own vibrational level and where you ended up. So if you go through your whole life and you're like, oh, man, I was really fucking kick ass and you were, then you may say, OK, I think I belong on this. You know, I think I belong in this house. I think I belong on this level of existence. Right. And so you kind of go into that level of existence. And if you're right, then you get to go through and you get to go and you get to be with other people at your same resonance level. If you're wrong, then you bounce off and then you end up in the one that you're actually supposed to be in. I don't know the details and I won't get into, go into it right now about if there's a quote unquote punishment, but I don't believe that there is. I don't think there is now. Yeah. yeah. If anything, it's just an understanding and a reckoning with, with what you did versus like how you actually resonated in that way. And so the, that collect that form of the collective unconscious then leads into, you know, other parts of this world, this world that we live in when we're free of a physical body and we can actually go and explore all the different things. So some people will spend a lot of time between lives and they'll just go and they'll hang out. And there are places that they can hang out, places that I that I'll refer to, for instance, the Crystal City. The Crystal City is a place that you can go in which you can hang out with a lot of really cool people who are doing, it's kind of like a collective version of heaven, of what you would think of as, of, as heaven. 
You can then go to the Hermetic Paradise. The Hermetic Paradise is where Wait, I like. Where to... did you get all this information? I'm just curious. So I channeled all this information, and I've oh, also okay. read. I, chan <laughs> I channeled it, and I've also read a lot of information as well. Okay. And so I've accumulated. This has been like probably close to six years of reading all of the different accounts of Near -death this experiences. experiences, and then going and visiting them myself. Oh, okay. Right. So. I don't know if you can be an expert in this, but I almost... <laughs> and the thing is, is that the names are interchangeable and I don't want you guys to get hung up on the names because sometimes you may That's go to a place. That's why I asked because I was like, I've never heard of the Crystal City. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you might, you might hear a place and you're like, oh, actually I've been there. I just didn't know the name of it or I have a different name for it or anything like that. Like those are all really valid kind of ways of dealing with it. So the Hermetic Paradise is what I like to call the place where you go when you talk to your guides and your masters. Like if you've ever done a journey to go visit your guide, especially if you're trying to reach an alpha state and you're like doing all the things like you're touching the pine needles and you're smelling and you're using all your senses, like we talked about in the hypnosis episode, you know, and then you go and you visit your guides, like that is where you're going. Like it's a place where they all kind of congregate and all the masters, and all the, you know, who are there to aid in humanity and all aid anybody who's who's manifested into a physical form hang out in this place. So it's a really cool place to go. And for me, I love hanging out there because I feel like it feels like a form of home for me, that that place in particular. What's it called again? In your in your world? Hermetic in my world, what? it's called a hermetic paradise because Hermes and like hermetic being the the crystal tablets and the alchemy and all that kind of stuff people who've been studying that kind of occult stuff will understand the reference but can call it the hermetic paradise or you can just say it's the land of guides and masters oh i like that name too yeah yeah um the next one that i want to talk about is a place called the creative consciousness which is like one of my favorite places to visit in a body and it's one that i think a lot of people are tapped into most of the time I call it the river of the creative consciousness because it feels to me like it kind of winds through all of existence and you can just bump into it all the time. So if you are like me or you have this experience, like you may be sitting in your garden and you're pulling out weeds and all of a sudden you get the inspiration for some sort of idea or you get the inspiration for some sort of thing that's going to happen, or you get a poem, or you get like a, a vision of an of a piece of artwork, or maybe you're in a job in which you're continually having to come up with new ideas, you're in advertising, you're in something like that. Like, what happens is that when we get really good at touching this river, we're able to pull from the collective, the ideas that are ready and ripe. Right? I think Taylor Swift has a house on that river. Yeah, <laughs> Taylor Swift. I have. I would be so embarrassed to tell you how many dreams I have about Taylor Swift. So really? there must be something. To yeah, that. I'm just. I'm just kidding because I know she writes all her own songs, and I can't think of another contemporary at the moment who does that. So that was just. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it's it's funny that you say that, but it's it's a really fun place to go, and it's also really like it's really you know I've actually taught people some people in my sessions. I've taught people how to get into that field so that you can actually do it at any time. So you don't kind of get the writer's block. And, and the, it's interesting that it's a river because it, you, when you get in the flow, it's like, you're just like in the river all the time. And you're just like, this is fucking awesome. Like I have, I can pull on any idea that I want. Like when I get into writing states where I'm in the flow, it's like, I'm not even writing. It's like, it's writing itself. It's just coming through the collective and it's being channeled through me, even if it's a story, even if it's a fiction story and it's not like philosophy or spiritual anything. 
So that's a really amazing place that I also feel, I love it. It makes me feel like I'm at home. It's, it's, it makes me feel formless and it makes me feel like I have access to anything that I could want to know about anything or any idea and inspiration that I would want. I think there's a math river too, that like math geniuses tap into. Anyway, side I, note. I would reckon that there's probably, I would, that there's like, that it's just like kind of channels within that same river. You know what I mean? Like, because you get into those inspired places and it just feels like you could go anywhere and it really does carry you that whole distance. One of the places I love to, for those who have, cause we were talking about fan fiction earlier, is a, it's a place called the Neighborhood of Worlds. And have you ever, like you read, I'll, I'll bring up Harry Potter again. So if you bring up Harry Potter and you look at all the, the, the different places and fan fiction and all the different worlds that have sprung from this Hogwarts world or the MCU, right? Or the Marvel comic universe. We call them universes and we call them worlds, like the wizarding world of Harry Potter. And yet what is the interesting thing is that our creative power on earth is capable of moving mountains in the etheric, right? So like everybody has a collective vision of Hogwarts, right? The movie obviously helps it to kind of have like a unified vision of it. And obviously before the movies came out, everybody had a different version of there in their heads, but eventually they coalesce together because they all have the same characters and same stories. And you're really able to like, go and visit these worlds. That's where fan fiction comes from. People in fan fiction go to these worlds in their imagination and they create new stories, right? And the more attention that people have on these store on these worlds, the more real they become in the etheric in the sense that they're easier they are to, to access. And then, and that those are the cases in which they become overlays, right? So like you go to King's Cross Station and platform nine and three quarters is there, right? but it's like it's easy it's like it's almost an overlay like you could you feel like you're in harry potter's world when you go to king's cross and go to platform nine and three quarters so it's like it's one of those things where well and so many people believing it god knows what they've created that's exactly it that's exactly it that's so that's why i call it the neighborhood of worlds because it's basically all of these different worlds and they all have different rules and they'd all have different physics and some of them have magic and some of them don't have magic and all this kind of stuff but you can go and visit them at any given time and if you are creating a world if you are a writer or if you are doing something along those lines then you are creating you're, you're having to gather momentum for creating a world and eventually you create a world in which you don't really have control over it anymore you know it's it's there and whoever is feeding their attention into that is able to expand it and create it in this etheric plane for yeah. newbies out there if there are new people that are new to spirituality and new to all this how do they get to these places so this is just a handful of what is so many different places. You start to you start to read about these places in, like I said, Rudolf Steiner has a book on how to know higher worlds, which is a whole entire book on instructing people on how to get to these worlds, like how to get to these different places. The more you develop your psychic intuitive abilities, you're able to sense the overlays, things like that. The more that you do this, you're able to actually access these unseen worlds that, that exist around us. But the main four ways that we have of traveling there are the first is in a meditation, which is like a meditation journey. So anytime you go into your imaginary plane and you get into an alpha state, you are going into this state of you are going into this imaginary world, which then leads into the unseen world, right? So you're maybe going to the land of guides and masters if you're going to meet your guides. 
right? And so meditative visionary journeys, like vision journeys that you experience in meditation is a very clear way of being able to travel here. And you can do, you can get any sort of guided meditation that you want. I'm going to create a meditation on going home in particular that I've done with a lot of my clients and I'm going to give it, I'm going to offer it up to um, our listeners here so you guys can go on that journey. So meditative journeys are a great way to be able to travel to this world. The second is through dreams. Dreams is one of those ones where you're not even necessarily aware of that you're going to these worlds, but you are. And you can tell usually the dis- the difference between a lot of dreams that we have are very simple in the sense that they are just our, I, I call them brain off-gassing. Like it's just your brain kind of processing what's happened. But whenever you start to get into the world of symbolic, um, prophetic, whenever it feels like you've gone someplace else, you're likely going to these worlds. And we're going to do a whole episode on dreams later. So that's all I'm going to say about dreams for now. And then you... But I have so much I want to say about dreams. (laughs) Do you want to say any of them now? Is there anything that you like can't hold in? Yes. Yes, go. I took a lucid dreaming class and in it, you go to the land of guides what did it be? Hold on. You called it. I wrote it down. Yeah. Hermetic paradise. I must mm-hmm. have gone. And I met my dream guide and guess who he looked like. Who? Uh, what's the guy's the prime minister of Canada, Justin Trudeau. He looked just <laughs> like trust in Trudeau, which my brother, when I told my brother, he's like, yeah, cause Justin Trudeau is like the Jennifer Aniston of men, you know, like he's just so like approachable. And in this place, he told me his name was Baron. And I said, why? And he said, because Baron is Donald Trump's closest link to innocence. And I'm like, okay. Wow. So anyways, he looked like Justin Trudeau. And I met him in this place, this hermetic paradise. And any time that I want to have like really meaningful lucid dreams, I simply have to close my eyes and I imagine this little house on a hill that has a secret passage, kind of like in that movie with the button eyes. Coraline. Coraline. Yes. It's like, so basically I I have a house I go to in my mind and it's like the Coraline movie with a little tiny door, except for instead of a little tiny door, a stone wheel that I roll out of the way and I go down the tunnel. And when I get to the other side, I'm always back in the house, but in the opposite mirror version of it. And I'm there and there's a field and I just wait. And Justin Trudeau, AKA Baron, my lucid dream guide shows up. And then I end up having lucid dreams. And then whenever you go to bed at night that you feel inspired to lucid dream or hang out with your dream guide, you can call upon him. But that is probably something I should have saved for the lucid dreaming episode. No, but I love it. I I honestly think that we should create a going home package of meditation so that we can, and we'll take people to different places. Yeah. Cause the dream world was cool. And I just love that it was Justin Trudeau. (laughs) If you're listening to this podcast, Justin, or your majesty or whatever they call you in Canada. Oh, definitely not your majesty. What do they call them? Your uh, highness, your whatever. That's royalty. I don't even know. You're barren to me. You will always just be barren. My dream guy. That's hilarious. That's hilarious. All right, cool. So that's so, so far we have going into meditation trances. I I I just throw in one more thing. Yeah, of course. (laughs) Even if everything Christina is saying today sounds like it's coming out of her ass, there are listeners who are like, what the fuck is she talking about? And this woman, (laughs) Anna talking about a Justin Trudeau, barren, the dream guide. What the hell? I want you to know 
we might be wrong. These places might not exist, but I guarantee that we're having a lot more fun in life <laughs> believing in it. <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing. Like, I, I come down to it at the end of the day, and I have to say, like, I would have such a hard time being a skeptic. I mean, I, 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 I am sometimes even I, I definitely have doubt with my own experiences, but I have so much fucking fun going I have to so these much places. Fun. Maybe I made up Justin Trudeau with Baron. I might have made him all up. But you know what? But I love that Baron and I have a relationship. And whenever he wants to reach me in this waking world, he sends me a moth. Moths because he said that moths. What did he say? Moths are the light seekers of the night. And so when I see a moth, that's my sign that I need to lose a dream because moths look for the light, look for the truth in the dark. And I thought that was so cool. I love he that. sends me moths. That's awesome. That's absolutely awesome. All right. So meditation dreams. The third one is the imaginary field. And this is the imaginary field is like what I call is like your waking daydream state. So like when you're daydreaming or when you kind of like any time that you play out a psychodrama in your head, like you you play out like a conversation and you're like, he said this and she said this, that's your imaginary field, right? And you can choose to stay in your little, in your small self and like play out an argument over and over again with your field, or you can use it like a fucking baller shaman and go someplace while you're awake and go and visit any of these different places that you want. And then, and when we talk about in so many episodes, we talk about the feed your demon exercise, we're basically doing imaginary field work. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. You're using that field to be able to sense. And sometimes you're, you're in a meditative state, you know, you're in a trance, you're in a meditate, deep meditation, you're, you're pulling on different things, but other times you're just experiencing it while you're awake and maybe you're running beta and maybe you're running, maybe you're running alpha and beta. Maybe you're doing something like that, but that brainwaves, you know, brain brain yeah, I'm talking about brainwaves, but that imaginary feel is incredibly, incredibly potent. And we only give it to children to have the power to do it. The children has to, Oh, you have such a good imagination. Oh, it's I like, never stopped daydreaming. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like it's, 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 it's a tool for all of us. Children are supposed to ex exercise it so that they can explore it but they should, we should never stop exploring it, right? Like it's actually, you know, it's just like everything else. Kids play at things so that when they're adults, they can actually do them. This is the same thing with the imaginary. And then last but not least is astral travel. And so I wanna kind of really briefly go over this. Astral travel is, the astral body is basically another layer of the body that kind of overlays your body. So it's uh, the astral body is like an overlay on your body. You know, you have an emotional body, a mental body, you have a spiritual body, which is kind of has two sides of the, the, the yin and yang of the, of the spiritual body. And then you have an astral body and the astral body can detach from your body and go and travel anywhere within the overlays. It can also go into the etheric. So it can also go it can go anywhere in the unseen if you want. Can I throw in something? Yeah. I'm currently taking the course called the Silva Mind Control course, but it's the updated version where you astral travel. And in this course, he doesn't call it leaving your body. He just says we expand our consciousness so much bigger than our bodies. Ooh, like and that's that. that's nice to me because the idea of like getting up and leaving my body is really creepy. But the idea of just expanding my consciousness to be larger, to fill up the house or to be large enough to fill up the city, I'm just making myself bigger, my consciousness bigger. So there, there's also, I'm just saying, astral travel doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, you're leaving, 
it can be, you're just expanding. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the reason that we traditionally say leaving is because it may feel like that when you lift above your body and then you're looking back at your body. Like some people have that experience when they astral travel and they feel, and you may astral travel when you're asleep, you may do it purposely when you're awake, things like that. One or thing you I could do it in an accident, like a life changing exactly. accident or something. Exactly. That's the only time I really remember that happening to me was when I was in an accident. Yeah. And that's, the the one person I knew who was a walk-in, which is oh god, why did I open that that can of worms? Let's right talk. <laughs> Walk-ins will be discussed in Halloween episode. <laughs> Walk-ins will be discussed. In, everything is going to be discussed in the Halloween yeah, episode. Everything enlightenment. <laughs> no, no kidding. We're um, all going to <laughs> But but the idea, a, a basic idea, is that a walk-in is somebody who it's like a higher form of consciousness that walks into your body at, and during a near-death experience. It's but they can so also be trickster type of people. So. Like, well, you know, like you hear about people who are in a coma when they come back, they suddenly are speaking like they are suddenly speaking Aramaic or some dead language. Why walk-in? Yeah, exactly. Or they could be having a past life memory, but walk-ins are basically, well, anyways, there's just so much. There's just, there's so uh, much. We won't, we won't go into walk-ins need their own episode. <laughs> they they did. I think you're definitely right. We have now teased so many future episodes. I feel like even just saying the word walk-in, all these like these are suddenly in my room looking at me like, mm, juicy body. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, this is not Get away. your Archangel Michael, get them away. I don't need any walk-ins. <laughs> no, exactly. Well, there's entity attachments and then there's walk-ins and then there's all that kind of stuff. And why did I even bring them up in the first place? Oh, I, right, I because, have a theory because, that maybe yeah. when you get enlightened, you actually just die. And then an enlightened being does a walk-in. That's an idea. You know, I, I love that idea. I love that continuous, uh, that continuous death theory that I've heard on TikTok, which is that we've actually died multiple times throughout our lives. And just walk-ins. And, and, and we either just have walk-ins or we just don't even realize it's happened. And so our consciousness continues on because it's like, I'm not going to get rid of this body yet. I'm not ready. Yeah. The brain maintains its neuroses. Yeah, exactly. So God, that is just totally off topic, people. We are sorry. We try to keep on track. <laughs> but no, but there We're is doing a, a shit that job. I... We're doing a shit job here. No, but there is no, but there is something to be said for walk-ins. The reason I mentioned walk-ins is because people who have near-death experiences will experience leaving their body and looking back at it. And in those cases, sometimes like I know somebody specifically who during childbirth almost died, they were able to see their body. They made the decision while they were in their astral form that they did not want to leave their body, that there was nobody to take care of the baby if they died. They and kicked so, the walking out? Well, no, no, they they actually left Fused. the higher form of the, uh, they, they basically, the younger version of them, so to speak, the more immature version left and the more mature higher self like a bigger portion of their higher self came into their body. And so it was a good walk-in. You know what a great visual representation of a walk-in is? In the movie Ghost, which with Whoopi Goldberg, Patrick Swayze, and Demi Moore, Whoopi Goldberg lets Patrick Swayze get inside her body and then make love to Demi Moore. Do you remember that? Mm -hmm. That is a quintessential experience of a temporary walk-in. Yeah, yeah. And, or, yeah. And so- the reason that I bring up astral travel and do I need to actually say this? Okay. So apparently I'm supposed to say this years ago, Robbie told us that like, if you think of the astral plane as a certain frequency of radio frequency that your astral body can easily travel around on the earth, there have been a lot. If you go, if you go and you search 
for remote viewing. If you go and you search for anything, that is a form of having your consciousness travel in astral travel, right? So it's like, are you able to see secret documents for Russians in a file? Or are you able to check out bases on the moon? Like, I mean, you go into remote, you go down the rabbit hole of remote viewing. And this is what we're looking at is that like, there's a form of astral travel. And Robbie once said to us, she was like, you gotta be really careful if you get on the astral plane, because there are a lot of people who've been using this plane for a very long time and who try to control it. It's a territory, just like a country. Yeah, I don't like, I'm not a big advocate of astral travel in the sense of like, did you see that movie behind her eyes? Yeah. (laughs) Well, anyways. But in all seriousness, do not astral travel for fun, guys, for shits and giggles. You know, there's a lot of safer places that you can go. And I would recommend that you have a guide or a teacher, um, even if that guide is not in a human form. And it's as long as it's something that you can trust, then that's good. And, you know, this is something that I was going to say last episode. and I was going to say it in the Halloween, but I'm going to say it in this one, is that anybody that you come across in any of these fields, you if you ask them to identify themselves, they have to identify themselves. It's one of these great rules. Yeah. One of the great rules about all of these energies is they have impeccable speech. (laughs) They do. They do. And, And they don't, they don't lie about who they are. So if ever you're worried about it, if ever you're wondering, you're like, Oh, I've come across this person. I've come across this thing in this etheric plane and I'm in the crystal city. And I'm like, is this person a part of my imagination? I can't tell. And you maybe get a weird feeling about them or you really want to know, then you can just be like, hey, are you here for my highest and best good? Hey, what are you here for? And they have to answer you. So even if you're in the land of guides and you're like, you come across somebody, you're like, are you my guide? They have to be like, yes or no. And they actually have to tell the truth. Yeah, they always, they always tell the truth. That's what I love about even the the little assholes is they're, (laughs) they're always have impeccable speech. Yep. It's so true. It's so true. And so just to, to really close this up today. I want to go into the zero state. Now they may lie to you about other stuff like, Ooh, let's get paranoid. The world is ending. Let me fill your head with scary conspiracy stuff. Yes. They might tell you weird ass shit, but when you ask them directly, like, who are you? They won't lie about that. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So, so to really end this coming home, cause, cause for me, and this may be different for everybody. For me, going home is not being in a human body, which means that I love all of these worlds. These worlds are like fucking candy. I'm like a kid in a candy store. I love it. And I can go anywhere in them. And I feel like I know them and I know people in all of them. And I'm just like, I I just love it. But you're also coming through the filter of the rejection wound who loves to escape. That's it. So in a way for you, these planes are a way for you to escape earth. I love going to those places too. Don't get me wrong, but they don't feel like home. I feel most at home in my body. Yeah. Just, Just to like throw out another perspective. It's a really important perspective. It's a really important perspective, which is why I want to end on the zero state. So I just want everyone to like be still for a moment. Okay. Because you can't describe the zero state with words. Okay. And I want everyone, if you can, if you're in a place where you can close your eyes, close your eyes. If you're driving, Don't close your eyes. But I want everyone to take a big deep breath in through your belly and through your nose and blow out through your mouth and in through your nose and out through your mouth. And I want you 
to locate in your body where your body feels peace. If you can't find peace, find a little ounce of love. Love that has no conditions. Love that is just warm or cool or whatever it is. That, that, that moment of, of love that is home, that feels completely safe and comforting. And when you locate that, no matter where it is, whether it's in your big toe or in your knee or in your chest or in your head, or maybe it's just outside, maybe it's in your crown chakra. I want you to imagine that feeling and I want you to expand it in every direction in front and behind you, in every direction on either side of you. Expand it up, expand it down. And just sit for a moment in this moment, feeling that expanded peace. Because the zero state is within all of us. It's always there. And home is always within us. And so all we have to do is find it, locate it, expand it, and we can have a moment of being home while still in a human body. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of This Spiritual Fix. Have you seen our Instagram? Our handle is at this.spiritual.fix. We put behind the scenes things up and funny memes. Have a look. And remember, humility, gratitude, acceptance, done. Are you afraid of turning into a hungry ghost after you die? If you're anything like me, the thought of becoming one of the many wandering spirits left over on this plane of existence after you die may keep you awake at night. Fear not. The This Spiritual Fix podcast has your back when it comes to graceful transitions into the afterworld. We have put together a package on helping you develop your lucid dreaming techniques, which, according to historic spiritual texts, is one of the best known ways to transition safely, with no delays, into the collective unconscious afterworld. Visit our store on our website, thisspiritualfix.com forward slash shop to purchase our dream package. For a limited time only, you can also use Die Well as a code for 15% off. Results are guaranteed and you are welcome to send us an email from the afterworld if you have a less than satisfactory experience. Let me tell you all a riddle. There are four girls and four apples in a basket. Every girl takes an apple, yet one apple remains in the basket. How is this possible? The answer, one girl took the basket. She took the last apple while it was in the basket. Sometimes all it takes is a perspective shift. 
This is my specialty, y'all, and I am opening up two spots in the next two months for dedicated journeyers to work with me to find peace, purpose, and most importantly, perspective. In these journeys, we co-create a curriculum that suits your current blocks, goals, and needs, and we use all the tools, shadow work, books, fiction, remote viewing, intuition, meditation, guided journeys, energy healing, dreaming techniques, you name it, we do it, and all to achieve a commonly held set of objectives. And if you're interested in hearing more, book a free call with me at www.chriswilty.com forward slash discover.